Hi everybody and welcome to another edition of We Are Mission, a podcast of Missio Scotland. I am Gerard Goff, the Communications Officer, and here on our Mission Month, uh, We Are Mission, we have Beatrice Gardner, who is a parishioner of St Teresa's Parish in Dumfries and also a coordinator of the Ababa Project, through which Missio Scotland has helped to fund a project this year in Ethiopia. Beatrice, thanks very much for coming on to speak to us. You're welcome. So, Beatrice, just tell us a wee bit about yourself first and foremost. Give us a wee bit of background into yourself. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I'm a Catholic Christian. And I'm a member of St. Teresa's Parish in Dumfries. Although I live between two parishes, so I, I flip between two. I'm always on the road. Mm-hmm. I, like, um, I like to try and get to Mass daily. And I manage it by keeping up with the priests and where they're saying Mass and following them around the countryside. That's an exaggeration, <laughs> honest. Um, I do. Um, St. Teresa's is my home parish. It's where I was um, brought up, and it'll always be home. But the other parishes are very welcoming and very friendly, and I enjoy going about them all. So I've got my routine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and what about yourself? What about your um, your, your schooling and, and your career and things like that? Tell us a bit about your background. Um, I went to. I started school at St. Therese, St. Andrew's Parish, St. Andrew's School in Dumfries. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at the time there were like two different intakes, and I was the latter of the two because I was quite uh, young compared to the others in my class. But I was only there a short time before I went up to the new school in St. Therese's, um, 1963, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, you know, I could walk to school, I didn't have to take a bus or anything. Mum and Dad both worked, and we got put out in the morning and we were allowed back in in the evening. It was, it was the same for everybody. We had a lovely time, though. It was a really good school, and we were all, you know, dead keen for it to be a success. It was really nice. Um, then I went on to secondary school. I went to the Maxwelltown Benedictine Convent School. Um, I found that it was like going home as well. It was really nice. Very um, felt very nurtured and cared for. It was. My education wasn't great, but that's got nothing to do with it. I did enjoy it all the same. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a very good student, to be honest. I like to play too much and talk too much, and <laughs> etc. Uh, what sort of things did you did you enjoy though at school? Um, was there anything um, stood out? I did enjoy dressing design. I was I was actually quite good at dressing design. It's about all I was ever good at. And I had thought to go to a uh, do school. They used to call it. I can't remember where it was. It was Glasgow, I think. And I was mm-hmm. going to apply, but I failed one of my hires. So I thought I'd just stay on and do it again. And, well, I was encouraged to stay on and do it again. And I had a lovely year in sixth year where all I did was one class. Mm-hmm. Just um, What did I have to take? I took modern studies. And I thought nobody failed modern studies, but I managed to fail modern studies. <laughs> then I was left with them. Um, I couldn't get in because they put it up from two hires up to three hires. By that time, I didn't have three hires and I couldn't go. So the nuns wondered, what would they do with me? So they sent me to Spain for a while. Well. Um, um, a friend, a kind of convoluted story, but basically a friend was bringing some artefacts over from a convent in Paris. And she had a family friend in Spain who needed someone to teach their children English. So that was where they sent me. Well, I mean, I wasn't saying I volunteered. Of course, I went freely, and I loved it. It was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. So um, then I came back after, oh, um, an academic year, uh, whatever mm-hmm. that would be like. 
I came back in July when the schools broke up and then I went to, um, I had a wee break for a while and then I went to work for a friend that was opening a betting shop. Right. And I'd never been in the bookies in my life. I don't know. <laughs> but it just, it just suited me somehow. I just, I was going, it was a temporary filling in thing, but um, I got on great with the old, the old men. <laughs> 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 my mother was horrified, but uh, and the nuns didn't understand what I was doing. What was working? It lasted 18 years. I could hardly believe it. When I left, I had been there 18 years. Been in the mall, Ladbrokes, Willie Hill. Gone <laughs> done the rounds, done the yeah. rounds. In your kind of your, your early life, you know, in, in school and things like that, just how important a part did, did your faith play? Well, uh, when I was really young, I just, just, I just fell into it. You know, it just came with the territory, so to speak. But as I got older in school, you know, I was keen to get up in the morning, go to morning mass at the school before school started. That's mm-hmm. how keen I was. But, um, and we got breakfast at the school if, because we would be fasting before we, um, you know, we were getting Holy Communion before school. Yeah. So it was a lovely, it was a lovely introduction to daily mass. Mm-hmm. Not that I made it every day, mind, but, um, and especially through Lent, it was an easy way to get to to get to Mass during Lent. It was a lovely, you know, they took us into their um, their parlour, as they called it, for breakfast. Mm-hmm. It was just a lovely a lovely wee time with the sisters. And they were all, you know, they actually filmed that movie, The Magdalene Sisters, in our school. Right, okay. Yeah, but it was it was absolutely nothing like that. It was the complete opposite, for, for me anyways, and for all my era. It mm-hmm. was nothing like that. It was beautiful. It's a lovely place to be educated, honestly. Really Excellent. Nice. In terms of like the the parish, like prior to the the kind of foundation of the Baba Project, what was your kind of involvement in, in parish life? Um, at the time, I was just just a parishioner, as I say. You know, I would go along to things and turn up. And when I was younger, I used to you know have a stall at the the summer sales and all that kind of thing mm-hmm. and I was in the brownies and just normal parish things but I was never involved in the Ababa project per se, it was really just on the fringes you know and I would, if they needed me to do anything I would help but mm-hmm. you know or sew things or that but just basically uh, in the, on the outskirts you know just not with the Ababa project but it's been 35 years I mean it yeah. must have been I must have done something. I must have helped in some way, but I never um, really noticed it. Absolutely. Look, and so tell us, tell us for for people who don't know, tell us a bit about the Ababa project, what it is, how it started, and things like that. Um. Well, for those who had televisions, and we never had one, John and I, mm-hmm. we it was um, apparently the screens were full of uh, Michael Burke and Midjour and. That Irishman, what do you call him? Bob Geldof. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. They were all, you know, um, shouting about the, the poor people in Ethiopia and apparently the pictures were awful. And I, I mean, I really hadn't been terribly aware of it. You know, mm. I, just, I just never really saw the photograph. But once you'd seen the photographs, all these poor souls, you know, they're so hungry and swollen bellies, you know, it was just dreadful. They were, um, We decided that we would try and help as well. But we had a a link to the to Ethiopia here in Dumfries and Galloway. We had a there's a nursing home in Langham mm-hmm. where the Ethiopian sisters were working, and there was a 
Sister Colette was the Irish sister from the Franciscan missionaries of Our Ladies that coordinated all the Ethiopian sisters to, you know, come back and forward to Langham. They were nursing there and learning English. So I think it was Father Mancini, our um, priest from St Andrews, who had the connection. His mother was a patient there, and um, we decided that instead of um, giving our money to Bob Geldof and the rest of it, we would just give it directly to the sisters, and they could help on our behalf. So that's how it started. We just basically took the money to them, and they came down and told us what they did with it. And that was in 1985, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just went from strength to strength. each parish priest supported it, of mm. course, and um, they were all very, very conscious of the efforts that were being made and tried to encourage us. But it wasn't until Father Jim came in 2010, I think it was, mm-hmm. and he wondered um, when would when had we last been? Well, we had never been, you know. Mm. So we decided that well, he decided there ought to be a a, a visit from the the parish, and since then it's just gone from strength to strength. It really has boomed. You know, it's quite a turnover, actually. Mm-hmm. I think last year we sent something like six to eight thousand pounds to them. Was wow. that the year before? I'm not sure exactly, but you know, it's a, it's a phenomenal amount of money that we can muster in such a wee parish. It's more than just our parish now as well. We, um, as Father Jim's, you know, his duties increased. He got he's in charge of Holy Trinity and he looks after St Luke's and Moffat. Mm-hmm. And there are other folk that, you know, have nothing to do with the church that help us as well. There's the supporters and they're members of what we call the Teach Project. It's in, we used to call it Teresa Educating a Child. But because it's included in the other parishes now, we just call it Teaching and Educating a Child. And it's it's very, it's a lot of money. It's, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's very, very worthwhile. Everybody loves the Ababa Project. It's, it's really close to our hearts. Yeah, in terms of, can you remember what some of the, the first um, programmes that were supported through it? Yes, um, they were mostly mother and baby clinics and, mm-hmm. you know, feeding the feeding the, the kids round about. And they, they were quite well organised, but everything was, you know, kind of slow and everything was old and needing re renewed. So, with, as we would we would ask them what they wanted or what they needed and they would tell us what they needed and we'd maybe give them it's a strange one really because of the education part of it I've heard this one I didn't re- I don't remember it actually but I've heard it said so often that we sent them money for bookshelves and they bought bookshelves because mm-hmm. we had told them to buy bookshelves as they saw it but they didn't have any books to put on them so it was a bit of a waste of time you know a bit of a waste of all the the effort. So we'd, as of then, we decided that we would just leave them, send them the money and let them decide because they knew best. You know, they, they know they're not needing us to tell them what to do with it. So, But we didn't discover that really until we went to, to visit them and we found out, you know, that they had no shelves, no books to put on the shelves. So, mm. yeah, that's how it that's how it all kind of increased. They're the first things I remember. Um, but then we, there's a night clinic now, and there's um, oh, there's all kinds of things they have, you know, um, they can do operations. They have cesareans. They don't they don't lose nearly so many babies now. They used to lose an awful lot of children um, mm-hmm. because there was no midwife. So they trained up a, mid- a midwife with some, you know, paid for her education and 
they've got a team of midwives now and they've got a, a maternity hospital. It's just all, it's really getting very big. I think there are more than us supporting yeah. them as well because we couldn't do all that. But, you know, there some Italian churches, uh, parishes support them as well. But, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's marvellous to see how it all works. And a bit scary as well when you're inside the, the compounds and they've all got walls round about them and a couple of soldiers at the gate as well, you know, they're mm-hmm. a gun just for security. But it, it seems to all, they know what they're doing. It's, it all works very well. Yeah, good stuff. So, I mean, tell, tell us a wee bit about that first visit. How did that come about and, and what was your impressions of it? Well, my I didn't go on the very first visit. The first visit okay. was in Father Jim and nine other parishioners. Mm-hmm. And it was all... Um, I think they were Derek. That's uh, my other the the other coordinator. He mm-hmm. and his daughter Rebecca decided that they would go. They were they wanted the youth of the parish to to join them on it. So Rebecca and her father and another wee girl Nicole and her father um, Craig. They and a young chap called John who was a, he was just I think he was just finishing secondary school and before he went off to study medicine. Mm-hmm. So and then another two wee doctors went. Wee doctors, listen to me. There's a young, <laughs> a young couple. Now a married couple with two children, of course. But they um, they actually got engaged in Bukama when they oh. were in the garden of the the sisters' garden. He asked would she marry him, and of course she accepted. And it was a big celebration for them. Yet another cake, I suppose. <laughs> um, but they they were they found it quite difficult to travel around because they had a such a number of them, and it was just too much for, you know, quite a lot anyways, to hire a minibus and travel around Ethiopia for as long as they did. But the the second journey, we decided just the three of us would go and make it much easier. Three people in the back of a car, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, Derek and his daughter Rebecca came. That was their second visit. And I went with them. That was my first visit. Um, and I was just overwhelmed by it. I just decided that I would go. I was a bit scared, of course. Um, you know, just because there was there's, all, there's trouble in different parts of Ethiopia, and everybody had this notion that I was going to, you know, I was going to be living in a in the bush, and I would be in a, a, a mud hut and all that, and I was getting I was getting quite scared myself. But it's nothing like that. Mm-hmm. They're all civilized, and well, not all civilized, but they're very much civilized. The people that we know, and they're just lovely people. The sisters are amazing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like um. You, you and your fellow parishioners have been raising money for decades and stuff like that. But did you find um, everything was kind of brought to life when you went to, to Ethiopia for yourself and seen some of this, the projects in action? Yeah, I think I've actually been quoted as saying that that it was ridiculous that you know I, I couldn't imagine how it all came together or what it was like. But once you got there and you see all the the wee sheds and the wee huts and all the different. Um, the signs on the doors and everything's handwritten and it's so, so old-fashioned. And the waiting room was a, you know, people just turn up and there's no appointment system. It's like the, it's like a bus. You sit on a, a bench and then they move along the benches and they just go into get called into the, the different rooms. It's really quite backwards, you know. It was then certainly, mm-hmm. but everything's getting. One of the things that they were um, hoping to build this year was a a proper waiting room with um, doors and walls mm-hmm. as opposed to just a shade from the sun. Yeah, it's it's fascinating when you see how, how they work. 
and they're so well respected the the sisters and the everyone who works for them they're you know they're like people follow them along the street just because they're you know they know that they're good and they're, there's something happening when they're on on in the area it's mm-hmm. normally um well very often it's help you know they're coming to assist someone or or interview them for you know sending their kids to school or something yeah. Um, yeah, it did. It, it very much um, brought it home to me. Just, just what we were doing actually, because you, you know it's kind of um, otherworldly. You just put the money in an envelope and send it off. But when you're actually on the ground and there, um, you know, there's there was a baby born actually one day when I was there. We were walking along the street. Um, Derek and Rebecca and I, we were going for um, a coffee ceremony, as they call them. And our house, the housemaid, I think her name was Alemnesh or something like that. And she was taking us and guiding us, but there was a bit of a kerfuffle on the across the other side of the road, and she asked us just to wait, and we did. And it was a lady just got out of one of these wee bajaz buses, and she just sat down on the ground and had her baby. She was actually on her way to the clinic for a checkup in her bajaz, and she just um, she just lay down, and everybody, the other ladies that were round about, they all crowded round and took off their headgear and held it up like this so that they could shade her, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, let her have her baby in privacy. And the lemness that was with us, who was also a midwife, she just went in, she cut the cord and tied it and sent her on her way, and that was it. It was quite an exciting afternoon. I was flabbergasted. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the, um, a couple of things then, when you went um, uh, on the, the kind of first visit, did you feel like... Um, it reinvigorated your faith as well. And what was the welcome like from, from the people? The oh, the people? welcome was something else. It was just, it was so joyous. It was like a, it was like being invited to a, a big folk dance, you know, and, and the whole town was dancing. <laughs> everybody was clapping off a lot, you know. It's, they just, well, there's no, if there's no drums, if there, are, if there is a drum, the drum will be beaten, sure enough. But even in mass, they have a drum and the, one of the sisters plays the drum. But they just use their hands and they make their own music and everybody joins in. They're singing and we have no idea what they're singing, but they la la along anyways. But it, it certainly, it certainly makes you realise how much faith these people have. Yeah. Because they're you know, they're so poor and they just trust in God and that's it. And such great big happy faces. They're just wonderful. It's amazing. Yeah. It it makes you realise how fortunate you are. In most ways, you know, in in things, but sometimes you might feel you're you're kind of jealous, not jealous, but you know, envious of their their faith and the, the, how they can live so simply with so mm-hmm. little and so happily with their great big grins. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, just in terms of you, you spoke about the the support there. Um, what, what's that been like from the kind of various parish priests and and the neighbouring parishes down through the years? Well, I think, I think we were maybe a wee bit slow in advertising mm. it to the other parishes. I was very keen to um, take it to Lockerbie and take it to Moffat and introduce them. And I remember um, Father Jim said to me, just calm down, <laughs> just take it <laughs> easy. We'll yeah. get there. And we are there. He was quite right, of course. We are there. Um, and they're very much involved now. But I think it, it, 
probably felt that I was just a wee bit too eager, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the people in the town are very good as well. The Dumfries folks, you know, they support the charity shop and they come in and ask what it's all about. And um, yeah, and, and they don't know who we are. Sometimes they've never heard of Ethiopia. Even sometimes they've never heard of. You know, this St. Teresa's, what church is that, Hen? You know, they don't know where we are, but they they, they like to inquire anyways, and they're very keen to help. An awful lot of people do things for us, you know, um, put on the likes of the Dumfries Male Voice Choir, just had a concert for us in St. Teresa's Church, and all the ticket money was handed over to the Ababa Project. I just think that's absolutely wonderful. And the... Mm. Uh, I think they gave us £600. It was amazing. But they asked about the, the parish priests over the years. I mean, every one of them. I remember Father McSorley used to, he was always putting a box out at the back of the church for it too. And he was quite, he always seemed like he wasn't, you know, very excited about it. But he, he never forgot about it. You know, he, he was always asking and then involving us and trying to get us to, to go on with it and do some more. And yeah, they all did. All the priests. I can't remember. I think Father Walsh was away when they started. That Father Walsh had been moved, and Father um, what's his name was there? What do you call him? Sam McGuinness. He was our parish priest, and I think he was the one that started it all off, got the ball right. rolling actually. Mm-hmm. Um, God rest him. He's away too now. Mm-hmm. In terms of, uh, you mentioned as well earlier on about uh, a sister Colette here, um, working here in Scotland. Who are some of the key people over there in Ethiopia with regards to the Ababa project? Who are, who are some of the people that you deal with the most? Uh, well, some of the, the real characters are um, Sister Ababich is was the regional superior when I first went there and she was, she's a larger than life character. I mean, she's not huge or anything but she's just such a such a personality and she I think when her when her time was up she got sent to Mullingar in in the south of Ireland so she's there at the moment and she'll be leaving on the 19th of September I think it is she's coming back to be the regional superior in Ethiopia again which is great for her and great for us because you know we've already got the contact and we know her so well and she knows us but um one of the other people that's uh a big help to us is Nega. Nega Sorsu is his name. He's a he works for the sisters. He's a very well ed- educated young man. He's married with two wee girls, and he lives in Adama. His mm-hmm. home's in Adama. It's not his home place, but that's where he lives. He and his wife, and he can. He seems to manage to do everything. He's got such a very perceptive, you know, he sees things that nobody else sees and and you think, oh yeah, of course Nega, why didn't I not see that? He's just a really down-to-earth guy and he he talks to everybody um, in such a mild-mannered way. He's really excellent and very forthright when he needs to be. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's he's excellent. It's like he was made for the job and he's good with us, you know, he understands English very well and he's got um, some kind of computer and he's on Facebook and yeah, he's a great guy, Nega. There are lots of them. So it's, he's obviously like pivotal to some of the kind of successes of the, the project and, and things like that. Uh huh. Yes, yeah. Indeed. Uh, and, 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 sorry. No, sorry. In, in terms of like this, the, uh, the successes uh, of the Bauer project, what, what have been the kind of major ones? Do you think? 
Well, personally, I was delighted, very much delighted, to see what they've done for the, the elderly sisters in mm-hmm. Addis, in uh, Adama. They've made a, they've built a, how they managed it, I don't know, and where they've put it, they seem to have just slotted in a home for the sisters, and it's, it's it really top, it looks anyways, top quality. We'll see how long it lasts, but it's, it's very well, it looks very well made, and a wee chapel right beside it for them. And then, it's within a, a huge compound, and they've got, they've got everything they need in there. They're, I mean, if they didn't go out, you know, it wouldn't matter, but the there's such a such a buzz about the place, you know. They've got the the eye clinic there and the the maternity clinic there, and uh oh, they've got they've just got everything they could ever want in there. It's wonderful. They're so they really are an absolute delight. These mm-hmm. old sisters, they're you know that some of them, a couple of them are bedridden. It's terribly sad, but mm-hmm. they're just such fun. And it was a worry where were they going to put them all because they're all aging and they don't seem to be being replaced at the same rate as in years gone by. But they're all Ethiopian now. When Sister Colette used to look after the... I don't know what her name was. She was probably the regional superior then. I think that was her title. She she was the the only European. And she, she was... There were very few Ethiopians, and they were all Europeans to start with. But it's, mm-hmm. it's totally reversed now. They're all Europe, they're all Ethiopian now, and they're all you know running it the way they need it run, and they know it better actually. I'm quite mm-hmm. sure they do. Yeah. But the, the Irish sisters are they're becoming quite scarce too, and they're not so necessary now that the Ethiopians are you know on their own feet, so to speak. But yeah. And, and just in terms of um, parish visits to Ethiopia, how, how many have there been? Three in total. Uh, Three. 2012, yep. the first one. 2013, Derek, Rebecca and I. And then 2019, to, uh, mm-hmm. Father Jim, Chelsea and I. The three mm-hmm. of us went. It seems to be a good number, we thought, anyways, for, for travelling, you know, well, to save them, you know, having two cars for us or a, or a minibus or anything, you know, it's much it's much more economical for three of us to go. And yeah, and it's just a it's a perfect number for travelling through airports and things too. Yeah, uh, uh, obviously, so twenty nineteen uh, the last time, and then COVID COVID nineteen came. Yeah. Um, how did that affect? You, you know your efforts, the, the efforts of you guys down in Dumfries, and the efforts of the Franciscan sisters over there in Ethiopia. Well, it's a shame, really, because our our income did. I mean, it was really knocked on the head almost because nobody was allowed to go to church. And even though some people, you know, are on pay by standing order their um, their subscription for the sponsorship for Teach, I mean that carried on. But you forget how much of it is. Um, you know, for the general fund, you know, how much of it is from the wee box at the, that goes around the church uh, for the loose change and that, and how much of it is just people at church just put something away for the for Ethiopia. There's so much. It was all, I would say it was probably about half the amount that, you know, we were able to get. But, I mean, we managed. And one time, one month, I don't know how it happened, but we, we forgot to send the monthly money. And Nega, poor mm-hmm. man, he just presumed that we had um, we couldn't we didn't get enough money or we didn't have it or you know nobody had be giving us any money for them and he never said a word he just cut his cloth and got on as best he could 
But mm-hmm. once we found out, we were absolutely mortified. But we sorted it, of course, as soon as we... And then he said it was like it was like he had been saving up because he got double payment the next time. Yeah. Oh, boy. But you used your... Um, was it your haberdashery skills to good use during the, the pandemic? Is that right? Oh, I did. <laughs> I mean, my so-called skills... Yes, I decided I would. I was asked to make some masks, and I did, and I quite enjoyed it. I did, honestly. At first, anyways. Well, I had a new sewing machine, anyways, and it was it was like you know a new a new toy. It's like you men getting a new drill or something. Like that. <laughs> so I had um, made them and kept making them, and then I started making them in Scottish flags and then Italian flags for all the Italian folks, and it just went Ethiopian flags. Oh. Mm-hmm. It went on and on and on and on. I think by the time it was finished, I think I'm, we had made £6,000 worth of wee, wee masks at £3 and £4 each. Posh ones were £4. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. No, that's really innovative, you know, to, to come up with that, especially during oh, that time. It was actually... Um, it, I, I, I'm only joking when I say near the cost of divorce, but the, the dining room here, <laughs> it, was, it was like a, a wee sweatshop. You know, it was just absolutely material everywhere and sewing machine, ironing board. I had three sewing machines on the table at one point just to save me having to set them up in different colours. I borrowed a couple. And a couple of, um, uh, two ladies at Lockerbie actually gave me old sewing machines to sell. So I used them for sewing for a wee while as well. People are amazing. You know, they just seem to turn up with whatever you need at the right time. Mm-hmm. Great. Absolutely. That's great. Um. So, have you guys got any kind of uh, visits planned in the, the future, near future? No, not not that I'm aware of, but I, I was talking to Sister Abovich the other day and I said I would love to, you know, to be able to come again before I'm too old because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm getting on. Well, everyone's <laughs> getting on. We have to, um, and the sisters themselves, I dare say, but I would really love to go again and I probably, I would love to. She says, you will, you will, but... I had hoped to go to Mullingar before she leaves there, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's going to come about. John, my husband said he would take me and um, would take the car and we'd go up to Mayo to go and see her in Mullingar and then go up home to Mayo and see mm-hmm. them all up there. But apparently this dog, we've acquired a dog and the dog <laughs> moved a passport and uh, we were going to take the dog and we just thought he'd just jump in the car because we had actually organised to go to a wedding um, in 2020 I think it was and we had paid the ferry and everything but we couldn't go so it's cancelled so we've got that sitting you know to use so we thought we'd just use it but it's not going to happen but I would love to be able to go to Bukama again or anywhere you know just just to go go and see them all and see the progress because there is progress you can see a great change since Mm -hmm. since the first time I went I mean it was seven years in between the two visits yeah and even down to a, the pharmacy, they seem to have the, they've built a wee pharmacy as well you see they're, they're all wearing nice white clothes um, whereas before they were you know, just in what they, they wore, they didn't have pristine uniforms they did have something, but they were maybe blue or something of the kind, but they begin, you know, it's beginning to look like a real clinic, you know, a real hospital mm-hmm. it's amazing and they, they're, uh, you know, they're bedding and all sorts of things, they're much more comfort in them and mm-hmm. such so you know the standard of living is kind of improving and yeah, so on everything is uh-huh. that's brilliant um in terms of your visits 
um, when you've been out there kind of on the ground, so to speak, what what have you seen as some of the kind of main issues that seem to be facing the people that, that live in Ethiopia? Well, the weather's a terrible thing. You know, it's either too hot or it's too wet, it seems. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, um, they seem to lose their crops readily, and then there's no water, or there's too much water, or there's flooding. It, they're, they're very dependent on the weather, and they've no... You know, they don't have the, the... You can't just phone the council and tell them to come and fix it. You know, it's yeah. it's all hands on deck, and or do without, or move out, or the house gets washed away. Um, yeah, it's really hard. To, it's a hard question actually because there's um, there's so much, so much can go on. They've got a, they've got a civil war going on as well, mm-hmm. and everybody's you know terrified and folk getting killed, and it's the poverty. It, it's shocking. The there seems to be such a waste of houses have been built for the poor, but they're not finished. Thousands and thousands of them. When you go down from the from Addis Ababa down to Adama, and you come to the outskirts of the town, it's there's blocks and blocks and blocks of them. It's like it's it's like I don't know how to describe it. It's like they're deserted. It's like they've been bombed or something. You know, yeah. they've just never been finished. They're horrible. I don't, I don't know how they'll get over that. I mean, in terms of your visits as well, what have been some of the your kind of uh, favourite memories what are some of the things you, you've taken from, from being over in Ethiopia well <laughs> it's a funny thing but the one that really sticks in my mind is one Sunday afternoon um, after lunch we were going to go for a walk mm-hmm. and I said to Derek and Rebecca we can go for a walk or something and yeah we'll go So, but we're not allowed to go anywhere on our own they always have to come with us because in case we get lost or something yeah. so Sister Amsala Sister um Hemono and the male nurse, I can't remember his name, we decided there were six of us, so we'd go on this walk. And we started to go, and it really, it was utterly amazing how many people we ended up being on the walk. There would have been over 200 people. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, and it's like, you know when you hear in the Bible, and a great crowd gathered. <laughs> <laughs> it was that. Every, yeah. It's like the Bush Telegraph or something. Oh, the, these um, the Scottish people are out for a walk. Let's go. Or uh, you wonder how they manage it. I mean, a couple have mobile phones, but it's just I don't know. I don't know how they do. And it was the most awful walk in your life. They took us, oh dear, crossing rivers on logs. You know, walking across logs. The mm-hmm. wee sisters with their long flowing robes on, <laughs> and, and us, and we got separated, and then. It, Rain came on at five o'clock, and it, it, five o'clock at night it seems it rains every night at five o'clock. And why we were not home before five o'clock, I don't know. But then it starts; the road turns into a red river, you know, and we're sliding all over the place. And somebody ran on and, and asked, I don't know how they did it, but they got him to bring a pickup and mm-hmm. piled it in the back of the pickup, and then it got stuck in the mud. Just you know, things like that. It's so everything's so basic and. You can't really plan for anything. Yeah. But I mean, that's their life, and they they manage fine. But everything's they're quite laid back. They're not like as you know, there's no schedule or anything. But that's just one of the one of the lasting memories. I'll never forget that day. I thought it was, I thought I was going to die or something. <laughs> <laughs> An adventure, certainly. I know. <laughs> so, 
you know, and encouraged by the, the example of you guys um, down in Dumfries uh, with the Ababa project, obviously this year Miss You Scotland is supporting a project that is run by the Franciscan Sisters and it is the building of a cafeteria for um, kids in a school, uh, uh, kids with disabilities, which is, is really fantastic. Um, so just from your perspective, what are your thoughts on... on and Miss You Scotland giving a wee boost to some of the, the work that the, the sisters do over there and, and through yourselves and the Ababa project? Oh, well, pers- on a personal level, I'm just delighted that they're getting, you know, this extra help. Mm-hmm. But the, the the project as a whole, I mean, everybody's quite stunned that somebody comes along and takes us under their wing sort of thing and gives us £10,000 to them, you know, for their, their dining room. It will make such a difference to them because they've no... I mean, it's hard to believe how hot the sun is. And the, I mean, they can't just get up and walk out of it. You know, there will be things in wheelchairs and, you know, uh, calipers on their legs and all that kind of thing. But they need to be outside as well. So they're, they'll, they'll, make it, they'll make it perfect for them. And it's mm. ever so grateful to miss you. And so are they. Negger's just beside himself, you know. Hmm. Able to, it, it's almost like he's, um, you know, the bearer of good news when he comes back and tells them that, what's happened you know well yeah. I suppose he is the better of good news but you know he, he takes it as a and we you know give him a kind of a badge of honour because he's he's managed it and he's doing it all he's, he's keeping everybody on their toes as well you know mm-hmm. he watches everybody quite carefully <laughs> he's a great wee man and, and how is the kind of news of, of um, the support from Miss Scotland received within the parish itself everybody's delighted everybody's quite taken aback you know it's I don't think they expected, or maybe we weren't just very aware that Missio had this ability to, um, you know, to take something under the ring, something locally. I don't think I really knew that. Mm-hmm. Maybe the priest wasn't um, surprised, but I was absolutely, well, high as a kite. And we spoke just a very, very briefly about Father Jim, and obviously I'm a big fan of Father Jim's from his time in Solcoats. Um, so can you tell us about what's what's his been involvement with the the project since he's come in? How how has he helped to drive it? Well, the first thing, the main change was um, we had a box at the back of the church. Just one Sunday a month, every first Sunday I think it was, we had a wee box at the back of the church, and Father Jim wondered if it wouldn't be better if we could, you know, go around and hand it around like the collection, mm-hmm. not a special collection as such. Uh, we don't call it that, just to gather up the loose change. But it, what a boost it was, really. It, it more than doubled the take every month. It, it was a very good idea. I was really, really amazed at how much more we collected from it. And he's just, he sees he sees um, prospect of making money for the project in anything. Not anything, that's unfair, but, you know, much more than, than we would or anything. And whenever somebody suggests doing something, they say, oh, yes, and we could do that for the Ababa project as well, you know, and just mm-hmm. different things. It's, it's, it's really, he's really very switched on to it and very keen to help. Yeah, I think he's, um, yeah, he's a good, a good man for the job. Absolutely. Yeah. One thing we've actually not touched on is, um, has there been support from the, the schools in the nearby area? Yes, um, our own um, primary school, St Teresa's, they sponsor a child every every year. They take a child and 
but it takes them all year to, you know, gather up the money. Mm-hmm. They maybe have a coffee morning and this, that, and the other. But and they're always towards the end of the the school year, they give their their cheque for it's two hundred and forty pounds for a child for the year, right. and they maybe have a a final boost with their big coffee morning just before the end of the summer holiday. They start with the summer holidays and they hand over their cheque. But last year they decided they would do something different. And they did a sponsored walk. And I think they made £1,600. They sponsored wow. eight children that year. Which that's is, brilliant. I know. that's, And they're still, I mean, that's this year. You know, they collected it last year and it's it, it been used up this year. It's just amazing how much they can. You know, we do, um, I've been up to the school a couple of times with um, gifts from the sisters as well. You know, they may be sending these wee rubber band things with the mm-hmm. Ethiopian flag on and um, I take some of the dresses up and let them try them on. The Ethiopian things that they've sent for me with the, the veils and the multicoloured things, that the scarves and all sorts. And just talk to them about it and keep them informed. And in fact, I'm probably due to go up again. It was It's really nice being through, you know, with the kids and sharing mm-hmm. it with them. And they seem to really take it to heart, you know, when they're allowed to... They're more involved somehow when you're there and letting them try the frocks on and... Maybe it was just because it was all girls that year. I don't know what the primary <laughs> seven. But, uh, yeah, it was, it's really worthwhile. And the kids are wonderful. They, they, lo- they love to help, you know, especially when it's people their own age and they see how poor they are. You know, it really get, it gets home to them. It does, and they're, they're good wee souls. And, and just in terms of it, what about local press? Have you quite a bit of local press for your efforts? You know, yes. I think, in fact... There's one of the, the ladies in the, the local standard. She seems to, I don't know, she doesn't seem to bother about how many times I call her or, you know, mm-hmm. she seems to put something in the paper every opportunity and sends a photographer up. And sometimes you think, must have been a really bad, slow news day. You know, they've got a great big bit about the Ababa project. I'm not complaining, I'm just saying it's just, there's my dog wondering what I'm up to. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, they're very good. The, the, and St Andrews and all the, the other churches round about, you know, they're, they're all, they know the Ababa project now. It's like a, it's like a thing, if you know what I mean. It never used to be, they never used to know what we're talking about, but everybody seems to have got it now. Yeah. Okay. That's... Long may it last. <laughs> so, uh, and, and if you just thanks very much for, for your time, but just before we finish up, tell us about some uh, of the future plans for the Ababa project. Well, we're just going to, as far as I'm aware, anyways, there's no, there's nothing new to be done in the sense that, you know, we're not going to um, change, as far as I know. I don't know how long I'll be a coordinator, but, you know, if somebody else wants the job, they're welcome to it. But I'm enjoying it and I quite mm-hmm. like um, doing it and I don't mind it. Um, I'm kind of retired anyway, so, you know, it's yeah. not... And I'm getting the pension um, <laughs> shortly. <laughs> so I think I'll I'll be staying with it if I can. And hopefully we'll just try and grow it a bit more and, you know, get as much support as we can and keep people informed of, as to what's going on. Um, maybe get some more of the young people in the parish involved. That would be a good thing if we could. Mm-hmm. We do talk about bringing them along. But, I mean, to get them to church first is a big thing, you know, and then we'll... Sure. Then we'll get them into the the Ababa project. But any that do get involved seem to stick with it, you know. Chelsea really enjoyed her trip 
um, with Father Gemini. She quite an eye opener for her. I don't think she realised how poor the poor are. Really. Mm-hmm. But then I don't know if I did either before I went the first time. Yeah. It's it's quite severe. You know, some of it is quite severe. Yeah. People, you know, living on the streets and all. Well, it, it's good to know that um, there has been a wee bit of a, a change in circumstance for people over there because of people like yourself and, and the uh, parishioners of, of St. Teresa's and Free. So, Beatrice, keep up the good work. Um, thank you very much for your time and, and taking to speak to us today. And God bless. God bless, Gerard. Thank you very much. And miss you in general. Cheers. Thank you. Bye bye. Missio Scotland is the Scottish branch of the Pontifical Mission Societies, the Pope's official charity for overseas mission. To learn more about the work of Missio Scotland, you can visit our website www.missioscotland.com. You can like us on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash Scotland. You can also follow us on Twitter, Missio underscore Scotland, and on Instagram, Missio Scotland. If you would like to donate to Missio Scotland, visit www.missioscotland.com slash donate. You can also call us on 01236 449 774 or send donations to Missio Scotland, 4 Laird Street, Coatbridge, ML5 3LJ. Please keep us in your prayers. Thank you and God bless.